Hello, everyone. My name is Grace. And I'm Maeve. And welcome back to The Systemic Stage, the podcast where we discuss how we can change the theater and how the theater can change us. This week, we are joined by Kelly Clardy to discuss the issue of gun control and its very complicated relationship with the theater. Kelly is currently a junior music theater major at Elon University. Kelly uses she, her pronouns, and I have always known her to be a leader at Elon, being the president of student theater organizations and being very vocal and active when it comes to social change and activism. Uh, She is also an alumni of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, where, if you remember, 17 people were killed within six minutes in a mass shooting on February 14th of 2018. This conversation gets real deep, and we talk about a wide variety of things, from trigger warnings to theater as a healing tool to the degree in which we can satirize serious topics on stage, which was awesome. Um, And speaking of trigger warnings, we don't go into traumatic detail about gun violence because it is not our MO to make people relive their trauma on this podcast, but we do discuss the issue of gun control quite frequently and the serious issues around that. So that is something to be mindful of. I think we all found this conversation to be super fulfilling and insightful, and I really hope it's just as enjoyable to listen to as it was to be a part of. So I uh, hope you enjoy. Hi, Callie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I know we've been waiting so long to do this. (laughs) We appreciate it. It's finally happening. Scheduling is so fun. Um, (laughs) So I actually want to start off light um and ask you about i'm sure one of the most pivotal moments of your life (laughs) um which was of course the 2018 tony performance that you like (laughs) blew out of the park um it was iconic yeah it is iconic and like for those who haven't seen it like look it up it is all over youtube um And just to recap, like, during the 2018 Tony Awards, theater students from your high school alumni, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, performed Seasons of Love from Rent. And you sang the solo at the end that just, like, blew people to tears. And, like, I remember, like, you sang – it's, like, what? It's, like, it's, like, 5C. It's, like, it's, like, a high C. And, like, the the camera panned to – Broadway legends like Laurie <laughs> Medcalf and like Nathan Lane wistfully like and tearfully looking up at you and just, <laughs> you know like what what a what a moment you know um and, and I, I mean there wasn't a dry eye anywhere that was watching that performance um and especially after seeing that your theater teacher right Melanie Hertzfeld had won the Tony Award for Excellence in Education. So that was, you know, incredible. So I want you to talk about that and tell me all about it. Like, how did you find out you were doing it? How did you find out you were in the solo? Like, how is Matthew Morrison? Like, tell me all the tea um, and what you remember. Spill it. (laughs) Spill it. Honestly, like, it was a time. Like, we, okay, so... It all started where um, we have this thing called Cappy, which Cappy like awards in South Florida. Um, so it's kind of like a mini Tony Awards for like um, high school students. So I was driving home from that with my mom and my boyfriend in the car, and I get the call from my teacher, and she's like, "How would you feel about going to the Tony Awards and performing?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just yeah." Got like- <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And she's like, um, we want to, we're going to do seasons of love and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was like, I'm in. But it was a huge secret because we couldn't tell anyone. Um, so she only was able to invite 16 kids from my class and, or from like the drama class. Right. And there were, there was a lot of us. There was like 40 something kids. Uh-huh. So like, she had to like pick the people who she thought were going to represent, I guess, the school the best or whatever. Um, and I was really happy that she chose me because I was a senior and I was like, 
this is an amazing experience. Yeah. So um, we had rehearsals and at first they were like, we're just not going to do the solos. Like, actually, no, they were like, okay, we're going to do the solo. Callie's going to do the solo. And I was like, fierce. And then they were like, no, the producers don't want the solo. We're just not going to do it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. I'm still going to the Tony's. Right. Like, <laughs> I'm still singing. Yeah. Um, on the plane, I get... On the plane to the Tonys? I'm so stressed. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, they get like a call like right before we're like, you know, taking off. And they're like, the producers are like, actually, we want the solo. Can she do it? And I was like, shit, I don't have a voice. Like, (laughs) I I didn't prepare for this. (laughs) So um, I literally like ate so many, um, what is it? Um potato chips and, and like had honey like take like sipping on like you know i and i in the rehearsal we get to the rehearsals and i'm trying to sing it and i'm like this is not working out like i don't sound good at this like it, i wasn't hitting it <laughs> i was like marking and i was like this is gonna be a disaster um but then i think it was like the adrenaline like of being on the stage honestly i don't remember the performance i don't remember i blacked out like <laughs> you hit it girl was, like you hit the note yeah <laughs> i mean I like I watch it and I'm like wow like that happened but I don't remember it. <laughs> I um, I suffer I, from stage fright. Um, interestingly enough, so I black out during performances. I completely understand that feeling. Like oh I did yeah. a good job great because I don't know I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean that happens a lot lately too. Like especially with auditions. Like I just I have a, a fear, a little bit of like a of anxiety about that but i mean things have gotten better since then but it was just crazy because i remember like waiting to go on like the anticipation of like waiting to go on beforehand and then like bernadette peters walks by like in her dress and we're just like god we're literally like (laughs) shitting ourselves and then matthew morrison was obviously back there because he introduced us um which was really cool right. and then they like there's a really cute picture of like you <laughs> high fine <Matthew> yeah because <laughs> he um he came to south florida after and we did this thing called like from broadway with love and him and i did a duet together and that's why like how we how we met like we did uh see not seasons of love what am i saying we did uh somewhere over the rainbow no. with his like ukulele oh. um you so sang a duet picture. with matthew morrison <laughs> that's yeah. oh my god <laughs> And, you know, I was such a Glee fan. Like, I was obsessed. Weren't we all? Yeah. I mean, I watched it five times. I cried, like, a million. Like, it was such an experience, like, to to meet him. But honestly, like, going to be on. I mean, it was amazing to sing with him, but let me down a little bit. because He let me down a little bit. Because, like, he wasn't as nice as I thought he was going to be, which, like, (gasps) made me sad. But, well, I mean, he was nice to me. But he wasn't nice to, like, the technicians, like, working on the show. So, like, that made me be like, hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not okay. Really so nice I'm sorry, Matthew. Matthew, if you ever hear this, I'm really sorry, but you got to work on that. So interview. Yeah, I just feel like too, with celebrities like or just famous people that like you have looked up to forever, and then you meet them. I feel like it's always a little bit of a letdown because they're just like not perfect. real people, they're humans. Yeah, they're flawed. <laughs> and and it kind of crushes you a little bit. <laughs> yeah but but it was it was such an experience and then like coming off the stage i think there was the whole like frozen cast that's the only thing i remember is like right before i go on the stage and then right after i got off the stage um and the frozen cast was there like waiting for us and they were like oh my god like it was just crazy yeah (laughs) yeah and then we we went upstairs and we were all crying but the funny thing is is that like the tony awards like weren't even like the the big thing that like there was like so much drama around everything because one like our classmates had found out that they like didn't get invited to this Mm. and then that they were like why weren't didn't you tell us like this was like you know what like you kept it a secret and we were like we're sorry like it wasn't our fault like we had to keep it a secret it was a huge surprise like no one knew we were coming like we didn't even we had our own dress rehearsal without anybody else because none of the like people in the audience knew it was happening it was like yeah it was crazy um but then there was also this drama with like the after party <gasps> bs like like we were like inter- invited to the mean girls after party and then the harry potter after party <gasps> okay and, <laughs> oh and the God. thing is when we found out like 
we were like, oh my god, we all want to go to Mean Girls, but they were only, we're like, oh, we can only take eight of you. And we're like, Ugh, this is some petty Broadway sucks. drama shit. I know. Like, we- <laughs> that we know so much about. <laughs> and it was, it was just like, I was like, I need to get on the Mean Girls one because I want to meet Bear Wilbur Weed. She's going, to, she went to Elon. Like, I need to meet her. Right. You know? Um, so I, they were like, all right, we're going to do like a name draw or whatever. Um, so then they drew out the names of the hat and like the people who got selected didn't even want to go to the Mean Girls. And I was like, are you kidding me and then like one person was like like talked to like our teacher in private was like i'm the reason that we're here like because i wrote the tony i wrote the uh the people of the tony's like thanking them for everything that that they did or whatever and and i'm the reason so i should go to like mean girls and i was so mad i was like i sang the solo i should go (laughs) but wow but i was like you know what i was like mean girls didn't even win anything so i'm gonna go to this harry i'm gonna go to this harry potter one and I did, and it was so much fun. They were so cool. I got to hold a Tony, like an actual Tony award, because it's a they won show. so Harry many Potter's Tonys. A better show. Harry Potter yeah. and the Cursed Child, my two favorite things on the planet is Harry Potter and Broadway. Uh, you made I the right choice. need to see <laughs> yeah. it. So, yes. That is no, it was choice. amazing. And the thing is, is everyone at the Mean Girls party, they were all drunk, and not the pe- not my classmates, so like the mm-hmm. the people. Um, and they're like, "Oh, we met Tina Fey," and I'm like, "Okay, cool, but like, did you hold a Tony?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a preview or, for my future. Yeah, but, but they were all the people who went to the Mean Girls cast party. Um, they all were like oh, we're just going to go to the Harry Potter one because this is boring. So they ended, all ended up at the Harry Potter one anyway. So we were all like, together at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was like all this drama, like so much drama that was awful. And then me and like a close friend of mine like stopped talking because of the way that he, you know. So I, I remember that trip to be very drama filled and just like very stressful. Like, oh my but I did goodness. Have, yeah. I was not was... expecting all of this tea, but <laughs> yeah. I'm here well, for it. Just like so much energy and such like high expectations. Like I feel like it's bound to be brought like wrapped up with some drama. I mean, yeah, but it was, <laughs> it was definitely a moment, you mm-hmm. know, and I think the only thing that was, was difficult about it was that that's all everyone like referred to me as like when i came to elon mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. all they wanted to talk about that's they introduced me to their friends they're like this is my friend callie and she was on the tony awards and oh. if you don't know what that is like look it up and i was like okay like i'm just a person right <laughs> you know like i'm just like an 18 year old student like i'm just trying to to like do it you know what i mean so it yeah. was it was like kind of difficult like to to like not just be seen as that girl who did that note and like live up to that expectation here at Elon. Oh, yeah, of course. I so. bet there's such like a yeah the standards of perfection in a BFA program are unbelievable. I mean, um, now that I'm a junior, but like it's definitely simmered down like mm. so much, and I feel more comfortable. Like I, there's there's not that weird like you know, ooh, like you were on the Tony Awards or whatever. It was just... Right. Yeah. So that that's that's been really nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. honestly, I know a lot of people that would have taken that and, you know, ran with it and that would, like, you know, ha- have have gained such Become an ego. Become their claim to fame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and have gained an ego. And I think it's wonderful that um, you have, like, found a place where you can really feel like yourself and not, like, be defined by this thing that... This wonderful thing that happened, but... It's not the only thing that makes you who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember at one of the audition days, like, I was a freshman here, and um, the the people who were auditioning, I guess they recognized me or whatever. They're like, oh, my God, you were on the Tonys. Oh, my God. And then it was, I was like, okay, bitch, calm down. <laughs> like, like, you're auditioning for Elon right now. Like, you need to focus on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So um, I feel like maybe we can um, transition to a bit more of a serious topic. Sorry, <laughs> I but guess. I love um, we are about here um, to talk about theater and social change. So um, let's talk about the presence of guns on stage, um, yeah. especially the presence of guns on stage in new works. Um, so do you think that having guns on stage normalizes our gun crisis culture or do you think it further perpetuates like the societal narrative that we need guns to protect ourselves 
Or do you think it's just normally portrayed properly to depict how dangerous they are? Like, kind of what do you think about the, the presence of guns on stage and what it does for audiences? I think theater, like, reflects what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and... Honestly, I'm not that I don't I don't have like a problem with it because I really believe that what it is a huge problem, obviously, and um an average person owns a gun. So like I think it's actually more realistic to like see it on a stage and maybe not like have it fired, you know, like fired. Right. Like, but m- more of it like um it just it portrays like America's kind of glorifies glorifying guns and like you know how the everyday man could have one it's like normal like it is normalized so i guess that the last one Mm -hmm. the last point that you had made i guess i i i i uh, think it's with that yeah i i just i think that art needs to obviously reflect like our society it reflects our society people write what they know you Mm -hmm. know and a lot of us have either witnessed seen or um experience some sort of like gun violence or heard about it or see it on the news or watch it on movies or whatever it's everywhere and Mm. you know if you say that like theater can't have guns on stage and then you're saying that like video gun video games can exist and gun like tv shit like like so it's like svu you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like where you see a gun all the time so like i think it's more of um not positively reflects, but uh, accurately reflects, mm-hmm. like, America. And, like, this is an American musical, <laughs> and this is what this is what happens right. in America, if that makes yes. sense. So, I guess, in, in terms of audience awareness, then, what are your thoughts on trigger warnings or other protocols mm-hmm. when you do have tr- triggering topics or images on stage, such as a gun? Yeah, I definitely think that there needs to be trigger warnings. Mm-hmm. That's something that needs to be implemented, at least in either in the playbill or like, you know, how before a show starts, they kind of have a little bit of an announcement mm-hmm. before. Um, I don't know. I think that people need to be aware because I know for what it was after the shooting and I saw a show and there was a gun noise in it and I was not expecting it. Like, I don't remember what show it was, but I, it honestly like freaked me out and I like had a trigger and I like PTSD trigger mm-hmm. and and that I if I had known that there was gonna be a really loud like gun sound then it would have been nice to like prepare for that mm-hmm. or, or at least like remove myself from that so yeah that's yeah yeah for sure yeah. I well I've I thought about this so much and I go I go back and forth on it right because you know you hear the opinions of lots of people. Um, and like, part of me is like, yeah, yes, it's, um, you know, art reflects society. And it's like, this is, this is the reality of our culture. And this is the reality of our society. And guns are normalized because they are normal. Um, and, but the, the other, the flip side for me is that like, but I don't know, maybe it's just because I have such like an anti-gun rhetoric in my head, um, <laughs> but it's like they shouldn't be, you know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, maybe we, and then, you know, sometimes I think about maybe we shouldn't put guns on stage in order to like maybe have our art influence our audience. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like I'm absolutely, like, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, that's mm-hmm. like, that's just like a thing yeah. that I'm tinkering with um, because, you know, I think in, in in certain shows especially ones that are malleable and ones that like you know aren't you know maybe super famous or ones that are ones that you can that you can adapt to like you can still create that tension and that danger on stage without the use of a gun do you know what i'm trying do you know what i'm saying no <laughs> absolutely um i personally as like a future director i think there are like there are ways that you can the audience will know that it's a gun mm. when it's not like a gun. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, or even replacing the sound that a gun makes with like a light or like some sort yeah. of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so showing a gun mm-hmm. without like the sound. I think there's really creative ways that you can definitely like show the audience that like, this isn't right. You know what I mean? I also think it depends on the story, right. you know? Yeah. Like, well, I, if I'm mistaken, I don't think I am, but, um, last year, Elon did a production of Clown Bar. Callie, were you in that? 
No. No, it was the other Callie. Okay. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. I apologize. But anyway, um, they had guns present on stage, but they used a different sound. And they, like, had something come out. Do it was I- like... Well, it was clown bars. Like a, so I think they ribbon? used water guns. Actually, I, you might actually, I think you're right. Check me on that. I don't know. But, <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> like, so because it was clown bar, it was an like extremely violent story. But they didn't show the actual, um, like, an actual reflection of gun violence because they were trying to, like, um, criticize that. That was, like, kind of the point. So by having it be – it was, like, a ridiculous sound, I think, like a quack or something like that. Yeah. And um, they, like, pointed out the, like, ridiculousness of it. And so I think in that way, like, you can also um, point out and critique the use of guns by having something replace the image on stage while the audience understands that that is what it – like, the, what it's representing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really loved that um, that choice that mm-hmm. um, Kevin had made for that show. And it actually impacted me, like, much more. And I think that this is, like, a nuanced topic. Like, every, like this is something that needs to be explored. And, um, and we need to find creative ways to kind of get around it. Like, I mean, if I were to ever direct a show, I don't really think I would want to do one that has guns in it. But... Um, I know that if I did choose to, that it would be uh, using it in, in, in a creative way to let the audience know, like, this is what's happening on stage, but it doesn't make it right, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but it is reflecting the world that we do live in, and we have to acknowledge that. We can't just go into the theater and, like, I mean, back then, they used people you go to the theater to escape the world, but now we go to the theater to get more of an insight of what our world is like mm-hmm. and uh, to think. And I think that's where theaters, commercial theater at least, is starting to go towards. Um, but, yeah, that's... Do you think that, um, you know, as a theater student and as someone who consumes a lot of theater that um, we are becoming as an industry more aware of this issue or do you, or, you know, are we somehow sweeping it under the rug? Um, Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm trying to think of like an example, but I, (laughs) you know, well, even like in our, in our department, we've become more cognizant. And part of me wonders that, you know, it may, you know, is it because that you are a student at this school or is it because of the recent events? You know what I mean? Or, you know, are other, are other departments, are other theaters, are other, you know, production companies doing, you know, having that sort of same awareness of, you know, trigger warnings and um, the, the types of crises that we can sort of influence our audience to see and absorb with our art well, I know that, you know like, that it's very specific to educational theater. Mm. And we have had most of our experience with educational theater, with higher True. education theater. But I know my I, uh, my sister and her fiancé both have been um, professional actors in New York and D.C. for the last, like, 15 years. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's very cool. Really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I might ask if they want to be interviewed. Um, but, <laughs> um, like, just having conversations especially you know over this quarantine where we've had a lot of like really interesting conversations about theater um my experience and their experience is very different um and i've really come to realize that a lot of this is educational theater is at the forefront because the whole point of educational theater is to educate students and send them off into the professional world and you know, especially American theater is extremely commercial. So the majority of, um, the majority motivation is money is capitalistic in its nature. So a lot of these things, like we recently talked about theatrical intimacy, and that just is very limited in the professional acting world. Um, but it's starting in educational theater. And so I think that it's also very interesting to consider how do we push, these topics into professional theater, commercial theater versus like, you know, educational theater. Right. Yeah. 
I'm so sorry. Grace, can you repeat your question? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I, I honestly, I just, sometimes I go on like these rambles that aren't really questions. <laughs> I think it was um, like about how, um, actually, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, okay. I think <laughs> my I can, thing I, was a ramble. <laughs> I can definitely recount it. Um, so I'm thinking like, like, um, like when, like you as a theater consumer and also someone who's studying it right um like do you think that our industry like you know or maybe if you can only like i mean i know you can only speak to what you can speak to but like do you think that we are progressing in this sort of awareness or you know does it seem like people are not really noticing the seriousness of it you know what i mean like yes like uh, sometimes Um, I, i i see a show and i'm like Mm, they're satirizing something that's very serious. You know what I mean? And then sometimes yeah. you, or they're just like not acknowledging that what we're putting on stage is like not cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when Hamilton did their Tony performance and they took the guns out, I think it was because of the pulse shooting mm-hmm. um, or there was there was a shooting that week and they took their guns out of their performance for respect and for artistic purposes. And I think it worked. Like, I really believe, like, it was, it was powerful. Um, The fact that, like, you know, they did that acknowledging what's happening in the world without just, like, going on stage and, like, doing what they normally do and ignoring it. So I think that there are, there are some shows like Hamilton, possibly, who acknowledge, like, you know, what's happening, like, what's going on in the world, and maybe we need to, like, do something about it or talk about it. And, uh, but, but, but I'd also agree that, I also think that um, a lot of companies are sweeping it under the rug, mm-hmm. or at least they sweep a lot of issues under the rug. And they're, mm, yeah, that's why this, <laughs> that's why, <laughs> that's why this podcast exists. Yes, that's exactly yes. why it is. <laughs> well, even like they're because you know um, some theaters aren't meant for like they produce. You know, they're they're more conservative board of directors or along those lines. So they mostly produce like the Broadway golden oldies um, and they aren't really trying to to make change. Um, and so yeah. I think it's like or know, amend the oldies to. Yes. Yeah. And, and they um, so I think it really depends on the theater and on the audience. <laughs> I remember seeing. Oh, what was the show at, at Elon? Of course, we always talk about Elon. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> the one, uh, damn Yankees. Hello, damn Dolly. Yankees. Damn Yankees. Oh, well, and some of the jokes, one, you know, <laughs> like half the audience was, uh, the audience was like split really in two. And so half the audience would laugh at like the super racist, sexist jokes, and the other half would cringe. And it was like a very mm. interesting place to be in the audience to to kind of hear that like you know um discord amongst amongst the audience members where some people would laugh and some people would be like oh that was not funny and people are laughing at that um yeah yeah i think mm, yeah oh it's just (laughs) such a tough it's such a tough topic because like like what do you do do you do you hide it from Mm -hmm. from people right and and but is that pushing it under the rug? Yeah. Is, is taking guns out of shows pushing it under the rug? Or is it, like, is it a part of, like, change? You know, I, I don't know. Like, right. I think yeah. you have to... It's interesting because, like, you know, with this topic, I feel like it's somehow different, you know? Because we should... I I, I can argue strongly that we shouldn't satirize mental health on stage. We shouldn't satirize, you know... Um, um, you know, any sort of homophobia, transphobia, like um, xenophobia. But like, you know, when you satirize guns on stage, it be I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it suddenly becomes less. Well, it's less triggering for those who have like, you know, for those who have that that um, uh, response. But and, you know, it's also, you know, it's also it's also not doing the alternative, which is taking guns on stage on stage and that you know could possibly be worse mm-hmm. but what do you mean? i do yeah. think in the tr- in the context of the hamilton performance we've been discussing right hamilton has such a huge international platform in which they can mm-hmm. speak to i mean march for our lives with lin-manuel miranda like it really 
like a show like Hamilton has such a gigantic platform to work with yeah. where I think the conversation also has to divulge between a show like Hamilton versus like community theater and like how like there's maybe it's not appropriate to have one rule for all of them especially in yeah. communities that are much more pro gun or anti gun control yeah um, I like I said, this is such a nuanced topic, mm-hmm. and I think it depends on the location of the theater. It depends on who the audience is, and if you're if if we were gonna do what um, I guess like Heather's, like we had we canceled Heather's my senior year because of the shooting because I had like you know um, some really triggering topics, right. which I completely understand. Like I've grown to understand like now why they did that, but like. It would be like doing Heather's like in my in Parkland and, you know, having like the bombing scene. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it's not it's not really appropriate for the for the community and doing a show that not like glorifies guns, but like there's a lot of death like in the show, like by gun. I don't think that's really um, healthy to show to both anti-gun people and um second amendment right like you know fanatics i don't think it's healthy for 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 people to for for communities that are for for guns and f- who are anti-gun to see see that at all mm-hmm. because i think that it can be taken into context if people who are for guns and they see that then they're going to want guns more i feel and then the anti-guns are going to see that and they're going to maybe feel triggered by that you know so I think it it depends on your audience, depends on your community, and um, yeah, it's all. Can I ask what <laughs> your senior show ended up being? Um, it was a community theater show, actually. So this that's why it okay. was canceled because like a lot of people from the community go and see the okay. shows, so uh, they canceled it. And I was Veronica, and I was so pissed. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> this is my first lead (laughs) no of course but like i was so upset but because i was like we can use this as a healing tool like in my mind i was like i think we could use the show as a way to like to showcase that communities can come together and heal but i do see the other side of it and like no like it could really trigger some people Mm -hmm. which i i do understand that so it's um depends on the community and depends on your audience Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's tricky because, you know, I, I, as, because theater, in my opinion, is the most, you know, accurate and personal form of art that can yeah. really influence, you know, I mean, it's, it's meant to make people feel things and think things and, you know, be reflective Mm-hmm. on what they've saw and to spark conversation um you know one that we are having right now and i think it when as theater artists we have a a responsibility and oh you know we have control over what we put forth and it's like a it can be really um difficult to sort of decide like what's going to be best for our audience and what Mm. message do we want to put out um Mm. and what story do we want to tell well like theater has historically been so revolutionary because it is a public Mm -hmm. space where people can stand up and present ideas to the public in ways that other that seem so you know um obviously political and and there's like a reason why Mm -hmm. So many societies try to um, suppress theater and and censor theater. And we've seen that historically yeah. in the English-speaking world. I mean, in Ireland in the early 1900s, the national theater movement was like the number one nationalist movement in the country. And there was this one show called The Playboy of the Western World where it was like kind of at the start of realism and uh, one of the characters gets hanged. It's like a dummy, but the audience was so freaked out by it that they threw riot because they thought someone had actually been hanged on stage. (gasps) The person had died and they threw a riot on stage or, you know, um, people were arrested. They ran out into the streets. It was pretty wild. And then and the 
whole point of the National Theatre was for the average common, you know, person in Ireland to be able to come see a show for the Irish, by the Irish, about the Irish, um, since it had all previously been British stories. And so these audience members were all Irish and was kind of the beginning of this movement. And um, one of, like, the very famous playwrights at the time um, came back from, like, a vacation for the second night and lectured the audience, sat down, like, on the edge of the stage and lectured the audience and was like, this is exactly what they think we're going to do. They think we are apes. They think we are monkeys. You are acting like it. Get your shit together and be civilized people. Oh, my God. Like, that happened. Like, riots were thrown because of a theater production. And that's, like, not unusual it is so influential. in the case of theater history. And I think that is, like, <laughs> so, so much cool. power. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool that, like, you know, it can reflect a people in in general and, and including, like, yeah. audience responsibility. And so I think that – I think that we as a society today have – I know for certain that I grew up, like – you know, hearing jokes from all different levels of, like, theater being, like, frilly and, you know, like, not as important as film or TV, but I would argue that it is so much more important and does so much more work because of the platform and the medium itself. Absolutely. I mean, I can think of an American example of that, which is hair. Mm -hmm. Um, Hair was literally... So controversial for the time because um, it portrayed what was going on in society. It portrayed young people doing drugs. Right. It, it portrayed young people going off to war, but it didn't glorify it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it showed what was happening and like what was going on and uh, with the Vietnam War and all of that. And I think that was such a revolutionary show because it was banned in like certain areas mm-hmm. of the world and even the country. So, um. I think that it it can be inf- it can be very influential depending on the show. Mm-hmm. Like Mean Girls isn't going to be influential, no. you know. <laughs> but but sh- shows like Hair, even like shows like Jesus Christ Superstar which makes you think about like religion in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like I even think that is like revolutionary, you know. Well, you yeah, can I even think- argue that like Mean Girls it highlights bullying. Right. And in a way that's comical, yeah. but oftentimes comedy can be used to um, gain access to people that wouldn't necessarily listen. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we were onto something here where there's something mm-hmm. to be said about, you know, putting something on stage that is provocative, but also some- real, you know, mm-hmm. and using something that is real um, and something that is going on in our world and reflecting it on a stage to teach people that this is a problem, you know, um, rather than using a very serious topic in order to glorify it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think that's, you know, been fully explored with gun control like it has mm-hmm. been with other big issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but that's just yeah. like how I feel. Yeah. Well, but so, uh, kind of along that, those lines though, as we've been saying that, um, that theater can educate people on the issue of gun control. This is a good segue to our next question. (laughs) You Grace, you set it up. Um, So can you please tell us about the stage reading that you directed at Elon last year about the mass shooting crisis and to teach people about Was it last year? It actually might have been two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. It was after I came back from being abroad. Well, I think I messed that up, but anyway. (laughs) That makes sense because I was was abroad and I 100% would have uh, attended if I was at Elon. So I was <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <laughs> well, it was my freshman spring when I did this, um, and I think it was Kathy McNeila, who our, our old uh, theater director here at Elon. Uh, she reached out to me and she's like, "Oh, someone, you know, emailed me about this. Do you want to do this?" Like, and I was like, "Yeah, sure." And um, it was it was definitely a healing experience for me, especially with it being like the one year anniversary right. of like of the shooting. So it was nice to be around people and to, to kind of like throw myself into a project, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of like what I needed and, and allow myself to process also like kind of allow people into my world because I really felt alone, like here at Elon, like I really felt like no one understood what I was going through. I was very, I was very shy, especially like that first year. And, um, 
I was very quiet and um, I didn't, I, I, I feel like I was, when I wanted to connect with someone, I would get a little too deep, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, no one was like, like understood what was going through my mind. Basically, this was before medication and before therapy. So like, sure, you right. know, <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, it was a really good way to kind of get a group of performing arts majors and like obviously other people to listen kind of to what was going on in our country and a little bit of like what I went through. Not really like wasn't about me or like my story, but like get into like the world of like gun violence and trauma a little bit and see kind of, I don't know. I, it was, yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, totally. (laughs) So can you give us like, well, I I did see it and I, but you would know better than me because I remember, um, well, I I remember feeling very emotional about it. (laughs) Um, And can you give us like a synopsis about what the play reading was about and sort of the discussion Mm -hmm. that um, came after that and sort of what impact that that made? Because I know there's also... Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I'll, we'll just start with that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I have to remember it really quickly. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's about a politician yeah. who is mostly conservative um, and he's running for office. And um, there happens to be a school shooting like that week or whatever. So he has to address it and it starts – he starts changing his mind about how he feels about – I guess the second amendment or at least like gun gun control in general, mm-hmm. because he, he is this personal connection to it. He, he sees the families. He, he is, uh, it's very, he, it affects him very deeply. So the play is kind of like him navigating those like conflicting feelings. And I'm pretty sure at the end he's killed by a gun. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Something so, like that. Yeah. So it's pretty ironic, honestly, that this whole time he's like, like, he's like, how do I, if I handle this right, I'll get reelected. And if I handle it wrong, then I won't. But then I guess it, at the end of the day, it becomes more about like, no, like what is right? Mm -hmm. Like what is right to do instead of like, what will save me? What will benefit me more? I'm pretty sure that's kind of a short synopsis of what it was about. So, um, but I honestly had the perfect cast for it and they were also understanding and willing to talk and have these difficult conversations, which made it a lot easier to, to work with them and to, to, to go through my healing, a little bit of a healing process. And, and I definitely believe that art is like part of the healing. I mean, that's what has, has kept me going this whole time is like, you know, participating in my friend's organization called shine after the shooting, she wrote a song and then like we would go and sing it. And like, it was, it was like an outlet Mm -hmm. and doing from Broadway with love and the Tony, like it was all everything encompassed into art was like part of the healing process I went through. So I really, um, it was definitely like a, a pivotal experience here that I did at Elon and, um, and that's what's, you know, struck my, uh, love for directing. Cause since then that was like, that's when I was like this, I need to do this, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I love directing. It's definitely like my biggest passion and it really, it really does allow you to feel like so overwhelmingly like satisfied and uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, were you able, I'm also a dramaturg. So my uh, big questions are always like, you know, oh, were you able to gauge audience reactions and learning? Um, and if so, how mm-hmm. did you do so? I think the way that the the energy felt in the room, you know, because mm-hmm. I was the I was the direction reader. So I was on the side kind of like watching the play, but also watching the audience and their reactions. And they all seemed really engaged into the story. One, because my actors, the actors were just incredible, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, but two, because like the story, the story is, uh, it's serious and, um, there's, there was a lot going on and, um, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that they were really into it and especially with the talk back we had afterwards with Dr. Scheuer yeah. and, and the cast, yeah, that was really, uh, interesting as well to hear some perspective from the cast members and, um, and the audience, as a whole mm-hmm. so it was it was definitely good to hear what people had to say it made me feel reassured a little bit That's yeah awesome. I, I remember that talk back um and i don't remember who it was one of your actors you know there might have been an audience member i don't know some i remember somebody saying 
um, that, you know, through this show, they've had time to sort of reflect their own opinions on gun control and, you know, change it. And that's, you know, I think that that's more impactful than anything, right. Is to see something and have your mind actually changed by it. Um, and also along those lines, um, I remember that conversation sort of shifting gears in that how, you know, gun control isn't limited to mass shootings, but it also needs to be addressed with like our, you know, day to day gun control where, you know, there's a crisis with, you know, gun control by, by, you know, guns by suicide and also, um, you know, yeah, domestic violence and accident and, you know, accidental shootings and, you know, along with this crisis of, you know, automatic firearms that can, you know, kill many people in, you know, under 10 minutes. Right. And it's like, you know, I I think we can use theater as a platform to educate and inspire and to Mm -hmm. change people's minds and to, and that's like something that's really powerful and emotional to talk about. <laughs> and I want I want to add something to what you said mm-hmm. because um something that's also like a huge crisis is like in uh communities of color mm-hmm. uh like they experience much more gun violence than you know the average white community like at Elon right. or even Parkland like you know um so that's a they are the people of color in those communities like deal with this on a day-to-day basis and it's normalized for them as well so i think that um that's something to really like it's it's important to at least like bring up uh on this on this uh podcast but yes and also you know violence against women violence against trans people violence against lgbtq it's you know and a lot of it is done with gun violence and it, uh, it doesn't help that our current president you know in, in, encourages it you know and uh says things like uh, I don't even know what he's fucking saying. But. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, all many offhand, uncompleted, yeah. sparsed out sentences because he can't finish mm-hmm. a sentence to save his I life. mean, something even as simple as I can shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and still get the votes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, something as, something as simple as, like, you know, defend your country. Because to his, his supporters, you know, that could mean – that could mean physically, you know? Um, that's, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that, that yeah. goes down. <laughs> We're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Down a rabbit hole. The no, orange yeah, man I, is getting out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I also want to acknowledge what you said a little bit earlier that I want to flesh out a bit is how theater can heal, you know, with something that, you know, with, with traumatic things or things that, you know, we uh, have suppressed or, and you know, the power that, you know, not only the power that theater has to provoke and to, uh, you know, elicit change, but also the power that theater has to heal and to um, teach someone that, you know, it's okay to not be okay and that you are allowed to, you know, grieve however you want and all those things you know what i mean whatever you're whatever you're going through no matter what you are um dealing with in your life like if theater is that outlet for you it 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 has proven to be just like an amazing source of healing Um, yeah i mean even like um i watched i took a shakespeare class and we watched at the end um this there's this program shakespeare behind bars in which um Shakespeare is used in, uh, like, you know, prison systems as a means of, you know, channeling energy and healing and um, for uh, recovery. And I think it's like, I mean, it's a fascinating documentary um, that we watched. And it was so moving to see these um, prisoners just fall in love with Shakespeare and to really realize how how much healing can be done within themselves and change the way that they look at the world and the way they see themselves by, you know, doing theater on the regular. And um, I think that's just one of the many examples of the healing power of theater. Yeah, I just took theater for social social oh. change uh, this past semester, and so we're trying to get Suzanne on the podcast to talk yeah. about it. <laughs> oh my god, she she is Dr. Scheuer is 
the best professor I've had here at Elon. And I think that class has been so impactful because it's, it's served as kind of a healing uh, tool this semester with like, with COVID mm-hmm. and, and the election and, and uh, all the racial um, violence happening like around, just even around our university. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it's been really cool to like learn techniques in her class that I can apply to possibly go home and use you know, with my, with my old classmates. And I created a workshop, uh, that I hope to possibly do when we go home at some point. And, uh, as a way to kind of like heal from our trauma a little bit, like, but like through art. Oh, so that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Wait, can you talk it's, about that a little bit more? What is Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so part of like one of our huge projects this semester was to create a workshop, uh, for a specific community. So mine was like specifically like students, or um, who have experienced gun violence in school, like school shootings, right. um, mass shooting survivors, basically. Right. Um, so I used examples of like, oh, this could be applied to like Sandy Hook, like, mm. and who are now in high school, Ugh. or oh um, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, which a lot of them are in college now, but like they all come home. So yeah. like, since they're all in college, like I could still get them together uh, at home and work with them. And uh, we do like improv games and then, implementing storytelling and like personal experience but like not like it not in a triggering way but in a way that's like you know safe and a way to kind of as an outlet to like get the energy out and to talk about it with people you know who have experienced the same thing right and i know that we all have different perspectives of like what's happened some people have had really great experiences after the shooting and things have gotten better for them and some people have been you know developed an eating disorder developed anxiety depression stuff like that so um and it's interesting also people's experience with march for our lives like yeah. if they were involved or if they weren't involved and how that affected them so um it's really about like the aftermath and kind of stuff like that so yeah, I, I would like to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like That's... something that could be incredibly community building, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and something that could be uniting. Um, and you can use that to bring people together, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and heal. And, and I, yeah, I, yeah, I would I would want to bring drama students and like my friends from out not a not in drama but like my friends from ap classes you know i think that they would really benefit from stuff like that if they were open to it so Mm -hmm. i could i could always post about it in our facebook group that we have but Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh that's amazing i I want you to follow up with us on how that goes (laughs) i will (laughs) um and well i was you know I was going to ask you, like, our our last question is, like, you know, what's next, right? Like, what do we do next in order to use theater as our platform to educate people about this cause and to push into, you know, how how do we use theater with, you know, in conjunction with this cause for March for Our Lives? And I think that's, I think, you know, that's where it starts, you know, is using theater for activism, you know, do you have anything else to add to that? Like anybody else have any thoughts? <laughs> um, I think, I think it's tough. I've had this conversation with Dr. Scheuer in the class and with other people and it's tough with, with commercial theater because mm. commercial theater is made is, is for making money, but, but community wah, theater, wah, or, wah. you know, commercial theater. <laughs> American capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Sorry. I had to yeah. say that. No, it's okay. <laughs> Um, but like, I think community theaters play a huge part in this that, you know, we can, we can make right shows or put on shows that, that can heal or at least like bring the community together to start talking about issues like this. And I think that that's where at least local theaters need to go mm-hmm. with it. Um, and hopefully commercial theater, there will, there's one or two on Broadway at the same time that maybe, you know, talk about social change. I know uh, what the constitution means to mm-hmm. me. was like a really pivotal play. Yeah. Um, and it's now streaming, right? I know. On I need to Amazon see it. Prime. I, I, yep. I, we can, we can check that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but abs- yeah, I mean, there are definitely plays and me- more plays but definitely plays in musicals that 
are for social change on Broadway and they are surviving and doing really well and and they're getting a lot of good reviews. So I know that they exist. It just needs to exist more. So <laughs> yes, it does. Personally, and that is what this podcast yeah. is about. <laughs> Personally, like I I know my child like I grew up with musicals and then I started studying plays in college and I really realized that plays have historically done a lot more work with activism Mm -hmm. and with um, highlighting change than musicals. And so I think, I think musicals are kind of finally getting on board with that. Um, Maybe not finally, but are are definitely, which they should be because the power of song is amazing. Well, right. And so that's kind of, I think that, that like musicals can really, really do a lot of work because it's the target audience. Most people who are tourists who come to New York aren't going to go see, you know, what the Constitution means to me. They're going to go see The Lion King, and they're, or they're going to go see Wicked, which is mm-hmm, which is right. great and wonderful. But at the same mm-hmm. time, musicals have so much power on the average citizen, um, and especially with all the uh, national tours that I think, like, I would be really, really happy to see some more work done in musical theater um, because of how influential musical theater is. I mean, even if you look at Hamilton yeah. and just having um, people of color in traditionally white historical roles, how much of a wave it caused where that has been happening in mm-hmm. um, plays. So I think, I think I would love to see that with musical theater. Absolutely. And I think that Dear Evan Hansen like tried mm-hmm. to do it. And it, it, yeah. not, that it, not that it failed because obviously like it is such a beautiful yeah. show. Like, I mean, it's very impactful. But but when I saw it, I was like, this is about a white boy like with mental illness who um, everyone forgives him like after, right. at the end. There are no like consequences. Like, also, there's not a lot of talk of like real mental health, you know, um, solutions yeah. anyway mm-hmm. yeah keep going no no yeah. ab- absolutely like that's that's the thing is so i think shows that are similar to dear van hansen or at least like have the intent that it had but the impact at the end was like not necessarily as much um that i wanted to get mm-hmm. out of it or like that a lot of people thought that they would get out of it so right. um maybe i mean at least that they're trying i know that yeah there are mm-hmm. musicals baby that, steps yeah but right now, a lot of theater is like, yeah, we're going to remake this movie into a musical, like Ratatouille. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I know I am very much, um, I'm very culpable in this. Is like, especially these last nine months where they have been mm-hmm. so hard and I have been turning to things that are easy that don't challenge me because I mm. feel as though the reality of my life is challenging enough and I just need something to like, take my mind off of it, which mm-hmm. I think is what a lot of times the musical theater does that for people. And that's wonderful. And it's magical. And yeah. A lot of people don't want to be challenged, but people have to be challenged. Um, yeah. So I think, I think musical theater has so much room to grow in both. Like, I think you can do both. I think you can challenge people while also giving them, something yeah entertainment entertainment and uh fantasy and mm-hmm. um <laughs> whisk them away that's why i mean musical theater like west side story whisk me away absolutely yeah no i agree with all of that like i think there needs to be a balance because some people like he art art being healing is seeing a show like Lion King or Wicked. You know what I mean? Like seeing Wicked mm-hmm. heals my heart. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Self-love. even though it's not yeah. even though it's not addressing like issues that are really prevalent in like, you know, our our country right now, it's still the power of music is healing. And the power of storytelling is healing. And I think that's like, at the end of the day, that's like what theater's all about. Well, right? yeah. Like- and then like me, <laughs> just I overanalyze everything. And I'm like, but Wicked does so much work because it talks about like, it It does so much with, you know, all the animals are, are becoming silenced and like oppression. Yeah. 
So, so I think, I, I do think that every show has its own ways or like, even if you look at West Side Story Absolutely. with race in West Side Story. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think Bruce is just talking in circles, I guess, now. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> you can argue everything. And that's the beauty. I mean, we could talk about, I could talk about this all day. Like, I mean, music so theater we. history <laughs> and empty lit has really, like, opened my mm-hmm. eyes to, like, what the meaning behind the shows are, like, really. And I think that, you know, the average you know, theater goer or tourist, whatever, isn't going to think very deeply about Wicked or like, Mm -hmm. you know, the meaning behind things. Um, But like us, us artists, like we really do uh, value those, like these themes and these, uh, like, you know, the stories behind everything and really reading into it. And, (laughs) and that's why we're so creative because we think so deeply about these things like that nobody else would. (laughs) Right. Well, but I also think too that that's the power of theater is that, you, the average theater goer, I think in the same way as comedy does, mm-hmm. is like Wicked, where, you know, you you might not be thinking necessarily like, oh, this is about blank, but yeah, but yeah. it saturates into you and, and it seeps into yeah. you and the messages, they, they, they root themselves deep in you. And like, if you're singing a song, like, um... Uh, like defying gravity, you're not even realizing. <laughs> right. You you you're not even realizing that those messages are kind of like slowly infiltrating you, um, mm-hmm. because of the power of music. And I think that's yeah. very that even the the general audience might not notice that it's happening, but I do think it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think it's that's definitely really happening. Cool. They burrow. It's definitely it happening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is wonderful. I, yes. I I also could talk about this Truly all day. And Kelly, if you want to like come back on the podcast and talk about something else, yeah. just like let us know. You know? Oh please! <laughs> I mean, I've been wanting to do a pod- podcast, but I'm just like I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert on theater. Oh, oh like, my! Oh, we said the same but- thing. <gasps> but that's why we were like we're gonna invite guests and we're gonna have conversations and we're gonna recognize mm. that we don't know anything and we're just trying yeah. to learn. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the mo of this yeah. podcast is <laughs> learning and conversing and hashing out mm-hmm. our opinions. You know, right? I honestly love it. Like, I want to talk more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I want to talk more about this. Yeah, like, because the thing is that that so many people are so afraid to have hard conversations because they don't think they know enough about them. And the whole mm-hmm. point is like you have to have hard conversations, difficult conversations, in order in order to, to learn, learn about and them. to. Learn about yourself too, mm-hmm. and like yeah. where your biases are, and all that. And so, I think that it's yeah. important that we we talk about things that we might not know all that much about, and learn about them because yeah. you won't learn unless you, you know, encounter it. Absolutely, I would love to have a conversation about with you guys about casting Ooh. and how that, <gasps> yeah, like because like I'm going, I want to go into the casting world as a casting director, and like I think it's important to like address the issues. Yeah. <laughs> Um, of course, girl. We'll put it on our schedule. Yeah, let's schedule well. you in, please. We would love to have <laughs> you back. Thank you so much for coming uh, on. Callie, this has been a phenomenal conversation. Absolutely. You are wonderful. I am sad that our paths did not cross more when we were in school yeah, together. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but now I will consider us friends, and <laughs> we don't need Elon to make us friends. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Especially in this time of, you know, online everything. Absolutely. Um, but this conversation has been incredibly fulfilling for me. Yeah, and me, I, too. me too. You know, and this topic really lights a fire in my soul. And I was really <laughs> nervous to, like, you know, talk about it because I, I can often get, like, very emotional. <laughs> you know, and so I'm I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and, and, and discuss this with us because it's invaluable, your opinion. And, you know, I think... I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see what you will accomplish, you know, even in the next like year and a half you have at Elon and beyond. And yes. I'm just like very grateful that you um, were willing to discuss this mm-hmm. with us. I'm grateful you guys invited me. And I honestly was a little worried because I've had a lot of interviews since I got to Elon because a lot of people are like, oh, I have a project. Like, I want to like talk about this. And and a lot of their questions were kind of like, like not very helpful but right. I really think that this was like a really productive conversation that we had and it wasn't like about my trauma but it was more <laughs> yeah. about like yeah thank yeah, you so, thank you thank lo- you of course a lot of people are like yeah so like tell me about that day and it's oh. like yeah. yeah no that was not <laughs> no. our MO we were like <laughs> we were like okay like, and this is with 
because most of the things we talk about are traumatic for people who have experienced it. So we try to um, more triggering for the people who have experienced it. So we try to like make them as make the questions as interlaced with theater as possible and (laughs) and productive as possible that don't require someone to like dig into the deep recesses of memory, which is very very difficult and troubling so mm-hmm. um absolutely yeah. so thank you we, we appreciate it we're glad that you felt safe in this conversation <laughs> yay <laughs> thank you guys so yeah, much and so good thank you so so much for tuning in this week as always we want to hear your thoughts and opinions on the topic at hand since this podcast is meant to foster conversation and uh, make people think and make people talk we are always open to hear new ideas so if you have one send it our way we would love to hear from you you can check out resources to the things we discussed on this episode on our website including more information on march for our lives and how to get involved with that Thanks so much for listening again. Please, I implore you, wear your mask and stay safe out there. And we will catch you next time right here on the Systemic Stage.